Hi, friends. I talk a lot about systems thinking on this podcast and thought I'd share one of the most potent actions you can take if you feel moved to be a different kind of leader for the 21st century. At Small Giants Academy, we developed our answer to the traditional MBA. We call it the MBE, a mastery of business and empathy. The MBE is a truly groundbreaking program which equips leaders with the tools, strategies, networks and philosophies to lead with purpose in these troubled times. Applications are open now for 2025. So head to smallgiants.com.au forward slash MBE to learn more and sign up. Yo, yo, how you doing? Hi, brother. So nice to see you. Well, let's have a check-in. Uh, there is so much stirring of the pot emotionally in the, in the kind of like collective and, and interpersonal and far out. It's a lot. Like I'm just feeling um, fatigued emotionally but also kind of super present and super plugged in um the kids are doing incredibly well like I'm really impressed with them as human beings their ability to adapt and be playful and normal in really not normal circumstances we've been in lockdown six or seven weeks now here um Mm. There's a lot of stuff going on that um, is sort of out of my control in a lot of ways and just holding, just holding space, how you hold space internally and externally with strength and agility and softness and boundaries and clarity and all those things. They're kind of called forward in a really different way at the moment. So I'm trying to stay curious about all the things that are coming up. Over to you. All right. So, yes, for me, a check-in is a very multifaceted thing at the moment. I believe check-ins are very important as a way of connecting with people and building community to really know how people are going. Yeah. And um, there are so, as you say, so many layers um, and I have my work check-in where I have no work left anymore. Um, and so it's like, what can I do online and how can I adapt and everything like that? You know, and, and then I go through some guilt. Oh, could I be doing more? Could I be doing more around a thought leadership piece? And could I be supporting more people and all of that? So, um, you know, there's lots of stuff happening there and lots of movements and, you know, people making a decision that this is the time for them to move on and go and do what they really want to do and and I really support people to do that, um, you know, even if it leaves holes that we need to fill in. I, I definitely believe that's the right thing to do. Um, and then um, I'm really enjoying being at home. I'm loving being at home because I have a beautiful property and I'm not having to travel and planting fruit trees and, you know, doing things and and that's fantastic and, you know, running around on the land and getting fit. So so that side of things is good. 
But then I'm very much into, during this period of time, looking at what's coming up in our faces, in my face. So I might have mentioned this to you last week, that it's not about what did I used to do before and how can I keep on doing that and do, do it better or differently as much as what's actually coming up now that I hadn't necessarily expected, but it's right there. And the big thing that's coming up for me is family. You know, I've lived on my own for so long and, and now I've got Katrina and her sons and my sons up here with his girlfriend and, you know, family is right in my face. And so that's the big thing for me to really work with, family, relationships, you know, letting things go, all of the things that come with family. Um, and that's a really amazing opportunity and great challenge for me. So I'm, I'm right in the in the thick of that, and I, I kind of feel like family is a constant cycle of um, love, anger, forgiveness. Love, <laughs> anger, forgiveness. Love, anger, forgiveness. I don't know whether anger is quite the right word, but you know, love or frustration. For so there's some sort of cycle that goes on there. And, and the, the emotions can sort of, you know, go many multiple times in a day. Yep. So that's my check-in. I love it. So um, here we are again, episode two of Anna, Dr. Anna Rubinstein talking to us all about rites of passage and how we can contextualise this moment we're all living through as a rite of passage. We're trying to structure it so that each episode leads into the next and we're also pretty loose units, the two of us, so we go off in, in tangents and, and we'll talk about all the things and, and then we will, we'll bring it home. Um, and thank you to those listeners who sent in their questions to digital at dumbofeather.com. That is awesome. We have two questions from our audience to answer at the end of the episode today. Um, remember that if you um, want to know more about Dumbo Feather, you can sign up for our newsletter on dumbofeather.com and you'll get to hear about all the podcasts we're doing, all the topics we're covering, any gatherings that are happening. We have Dumbo Feather conversations happening on Mondays, Melbourne time, Melbourne, Australia, at lunchtime, things like that. So you'll you'll get ahead of all of that. And... Anna's doing some amazing online programming that you can tap into. Anna, do you want to tell everyone about that? Sure. And hello, Barry. It's lovely that I got an invite for a second episode and uh, excited <laughs> about that. And, uh, yes, so seeing as our face-to-face -face business sort of disappeared overnight uh, a couple of months ago, we're now looking at what we can do online and um, have a big concern about parents and children being at home in this period and how we can really help to make that the most positive uh, opportunity possible. And, and we've developed a course called Parents and Children Growing Together, which is a seven-part e-course, uh, and it's a great way for parents and children to uh, have a way of checking in each day so we can, make, we can monitor the, their health and well-being and to um, 
strengthen relationships within the family, help them overcome challenges, create a vision for the future and importantly recognise the uh, the gifts of each of the children and people in our family. So uh, we're excited about that course and we're offering the first module free and then we are also doing our, um, our uh, leadership training, a journey into rites of passage as an online course as well so that we can continue to inform people about what rites of passage actually are and how they can use them in their families, communities and at work. So lots going on. Where do people go to sign up to those e-courses, Anna? If they come through our, our uh, website, the Rites of Passage Institute.org, Rites of Passage spelled R-I-T-E-S, uh, then they should be able to find all of that information. Awesome. And I want to apologise to our listeners. I have a very loud, very grumpy rooster in the garden <laughs> and he has just been losing it. So you will hear rooster action in the background. There he goes. Can you hear that? I don't think I don't think you should be apologising for that. I love hearing rooster action in the background. In fact, every <laughs> podcast I do, there are children running in and out. There are cats climbing over keyboards. There are you know animals. There are there are partners checking in on what time people want dinner. I, I just Seriously. think it's actually so much more real. I, I'm loving that aspect of what we're doing. I know there is absolutely no polish to any of our lives. It's pretty funny. It's all out now. Bring it on. The starting frame where we left off last episode was you talking about separation and how that's an incredibly necessary part of a rite of passage and how we've all been separated from the world that was pre-COVID. Can you yes. lead us into the next phase of a rite of passage and what that looks like? Yes, I'm very happy to. And so it was a week ago since we had our first episode and, you know, that week could be a year, it could be yesterday and there is no doubt. And another thing that we have to talk about is that time will is different during a rite of passage and, and I'm sure that people listening will go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I've been in isolation now for six weeks. I've been home for six weeks or four weeks or whatever, and, you know, it's gone so quickly or it's gone so slowly, but without any question, time is moving differently from what it normally does. And so we'll cut, we must spend some time, Barry, talking about time and um uh, liminal space and this idea of sacred and profane time during this series because it's so interesting and so important. So when when um, uh, my hero Arnold Van Gennep first uh, travelled around the world and studied all these Indigenous communities and recognised that they were all creating rites of passage to support people to move through the various stages from child to young adult to grown up to elder and things like um, getting married, becoming a parent, all of those things were celebrated and acknowledged with the rite of passage that always contained these three elements of separation, transformation, and reintegration or return. And last episode, we talked about a great analogy is a caterpillar goes into a cocoon and comes out a butterfly. So the, the caterpillar is living its normal life, it separates, goes into the cocoon, transforms, and comes back out as a as a butterfly. So we have se- I would say we are now separated pretty much from our normal lives. 
you know, like even even as as recently as a week ago, I think people were struggling with the idea of separating and trying not to. And but I think pretty much most people now will have accepted that you know this is what we need to do. So we've we've separated from going to work in the normal way, and now we're working at home. We've separated, and we're no longer going out for dinner with friends, not going to restaurants, cinemas, sporting events, swimming pools, gyms. All of these things, cafes that we would have done, we have separated from. So I believe that that stage has been reasonably well completed and now we are in our own container. So when we separate, we go into a container. Caterpillar goes into the cocoon and for most of us, our container is our home with our families, but it's also a psychological container. So even when I go out, if I go shopping, I see that I'm not I'm not interacting the way I normally would with people. Not only am I not hugging them when I see them in the street, I'm not even talking to them. And in fact, most people see, seem to be looking away when you approach them. People are turning their faces away. And, and that is just part of this whole separation phase where everyone is in their own space and in their unit space. And we will stay in this separation phase until such time as we reintegrate and we come back out and the caterpillar comes back out as a butterfly. And we actually, what's very important about this separation phase is that we don't actually know how long it's going to last. It may last another month. It may last another three months, six months. You don't actually know. You don't get to choose how long it's going to go on for. You know, already they're starting to talk about relaxing some of the conditions and all the rest, but who knows whether that'll create a second spike and we'll all get push back inside again for another six months. We actually don't know. So we're in this state for as long as we're in it and in it, time will change and it will either slow down, speed up, but it will change. And then within this stage of transformation, while we're in the cocoon, um, my work has been around recognising what are the elements that we need to go through or will go through in order to really get a transformation and not only to get a transformation but to get a healthy transformation because we will all transform as a result of this, Barry. There's not a question we will all change and the world will change. The question is whether it will happen in a healthy way or whether it will happen and create more wounding and, and stuff, you know, whether, whether it's going to be a bad outcome or, or you know, a so-called positive outcome. And once again, I always need to mention and say that very aware that there are people who are suffering greatly at the moment. There are people who are losing loved ones and people who are really in, you know, some of the worst times of their lives. And we need to send out, and I send out my heart and my prayers to those people um, because it is a very difficult time for many. And, and as well as that, it is an opportunity and, you know, especially, for example, here in Australia, we don't have, um, you know, a huge number of people who are unwell and our medical services are able to cope with it. So for many of us, we are in a, uh, you know, in a transformational stage at home and the elements that need to be within a transformation for it to be healthy, there are four of them. And I'll name them and then we will work through them. I don't know if we'll get through them all today. 
but they are the first one is the sharing of stories. The second is a challenge or an ordeal. The third one is the creation of a vision for the future. And the fourth one is this idea, uh, is a recognition and acknowledgement of the gifts, the genius and the spirit of every person who's going through the transformation. So there's story, challenge, vision and recognition. And if we start with story, um, there are two key reasons why stories have always been used in a rite of passage and why they are so important right now. And the first is to build community. When people hear stories and are involved in stories and hear the stories of the people around them and their loved ones and their parents and their relatives and their friends, that brings people closer together. So there's an enormous sharing, there's an enormous building of community that goes on through the sharing of stories. The next reason why stories are so powerful is that they are the perfect way of passing on wisdom and knowledge. So it's very, very hard for us to tell our children how to live their lives. But we want to because we feel like we know things and we want them to know those things. Just this morning, less than three hours ago, I was sat down by my 28-year-old son who said to me, Dad, I don't want you to tell me what to do anymore. I don't want you to lecture me. If you never told me what to do ever again in my life, yes, I would get some things wrong and, yes, some things would be broken, but, Dad, our relationship would be so much better and I would come to you so much more often. And clearly what he's saying to me is he doesn't want me to tell him what to do. He doesn't want me to tell him how he had to live his life, but he loves hearing my stories. So if he has a problem and I can share a story about a time when I had a similar problem, he will listen. But if I try and tell him how to live his life, it's going to end up badly. I know that. And so in this period when we are together, I can't recommend highly enough that people share their stories with each other, that parents share their stories with their children. Tell them about how you grew up. Tell them about your own parents. Tell them about your grandparents. Tell them about how you came to live where you are. Tell them about jobs that you had, things that went well, things that went badly. Share stories. And even better, if you can get the children talking to the grandparents online, on Zoom or however you do it, which I know is happening, get the grandparents sharing their stories with the children. And, and from a community-building uh, view, that is an amazing way to create a stronger community, which is so critical to the success of rites of passage and healthy transformation. That's really beautiful. And I'm wondering maybe in the sharing of stories also, because when you were talking about your beautiful boy and how he said, don't tell me 
what to do, just connect with me. I was laughing to myself and thinking, well, as a parent, I I went through all that stuff. I'm just here to like shortcut that shit for you. I'm just going to tell you my summary <laughs> and then you'll do it better or I'll, I'll, I'll help you skip all that hard work because I've done that for you. Now, here's my advice. Do it better. Um, and, of course, you take away from Yes, and how's that worked for you? How has that worked for you, Barry? Yeah, it's worked really well, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's just it's so funny because of course what you do in the trap of your own stories that spin around you we've all inherited the legacy of all these stories about how we should do things and how things should be and I love what you're saying that in honoring this time we're all in if we just kind of drop in and listen to each other's stories in a sharing context not in a lecturing or teaching frame that that other things will come up will bubble up and inform us in new ways and new connections I love that and I would really encourage parents to ask their children what they would like to hear a story about and then the children will ask oh tell me about um you know what sport you played when you were a kid well tell me about what you got in the most trouble for Tell me about your first boyfriend or girlfriend. Well, tell me about, you know, something that you're really happy about or unhappy about, you know. And the more that our children can get to actually, that's how they really get to know us is by hearing our stories and, um, and, and hopefully the stories of the elders. It, it traditionally is the way that wisdom and knowledge has been passed on through the generations for thousands of years. Beautiful. But the other really, really good thing to do with stories is to um, read books or watch movies or any way that you want to do it because they are the modern stories now and then talk about them as a family and as a group. And that also builds community. So, you know, here in, in where I'm living, we've been reading the story of I and John. Um, and, you know, I have my partner and her uh, 16-year-old son living with me at the moment, and I and John is all about the rite of passage of a boy and how a boy needs to become a man. And um, in order to become a man, he has to do certain things, and one of the things he actually actually has to do is separate from his mother and that that doesn't happen naturally. And unfortunately, when we don't have elders creating these rites of passage for our boys, then they will actually find ways themselves to separate from their mothers. And often it's really not pretty. They start getting angry. They start swearing. Some of them start pushing their mothers around. And these boys, these teenage boys, go around the house that you could call them monster boys. They're eating everything that they can find, you know, putting all the food in their mouths, going through the refrigerator, just eating, eating, eating and being rude to their mums and then wanting to have a cuddle and then being rude again and pushing them away and 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 mum doesn't know what to do. This is a beautiful boy who, you know, she birthed and she brought up and she knew everything about and now all of a sudden, you know, half the time he doesn't want to talk to her and, 
and, and, and he's rude to her and he tells her to, you know, F off. And then the next minute he's cuddling her and rubbing himself on her and it's like this massive confusion going on. Whereas what would have happened was that at the time when the boys were reaching puberty, somewhere 13, 14, 15, in a beautiful way, the men of the community would come in and take that boy away. And he would go through a transformation. He would be separated. He would go into a container. He would go through a transformation. And by the way, at the same time as he was going through this rite of passage, the mother would be going through a rite of passage as well because she is letting go of her boy. But that doesn't mean the relationship ends forever. It just means it then transforms to a new and appropriate relationship between a mother and a young man. And the relationship between a mother and a young man is different from the relationship of a mother and an eight-year-old boy. And so we've been reading the book of I and John and, you know, talks about how he meets a mentor the boy meets a mentor an older you know an older wild man and and part of it is you know in the book he actually has to go and steal the 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 wild man's in a cage and the boy has to go and take the key from under the mother's pillow (laughs) you know i mean what's that about and, and, you know, you can talk about that for hours in the family and there's all sorts of different, you know, and, the, and the, you, you know, you ask the teenage boy what he thinks that means and then ask the older man what he thinks it means and ask the mother what she thinks it means, you know, fantastic, rich conversation. And the same if we're watching movies and there's a story in the movie, but instead of just watching it, then taking time after it, afterwards to discuss it and say, okay, which part of that movie really got you? Which part of the movie stirred you up? Which part made you happy? Which part made you annoyed? You know, they say that stories are a storehouse of information and the bit that gets you is your psychological signpost. That's the bit you really need to look at. So if you watch a movie and there's a bit that stands out for you and you'll find that everyone who watches the same movie will be stirred up by a different part of that movie. And that part which stirs you up is your psychological signpost and is the bit for you to think about and go, ah, it stirs me up. Why does it stir me up? What's going on here? What am I carrying? What am I, you know, what, what's, what's the deeper reason? And then we open up all sorts of things. So that's a, very much another side of the power of story. That's uh, quite amazing because I think one of the things that's definitely happening in this time for all of us is being forced. We're we're all absorbing a huge amount of content, and we are all of us consuming. If you, I, I don't even like the word consuming, but it's the word I'm using. We're taking in a lot of story and probably a lot of it unconsciously and the idea of catching that and really using that, noticing it and saying, well, this is a really potent part of what it means to be in the container. I love that. Yeah. And once again, we can do it well, we can do it badly. For me, doing it badly is the kids are on their phones and their phones are six inches away from their faces and they're just watching rubbish and it's just, time it's just a time waster as opposed to the family together watching a movie 
and there are ama- there are amazing films out there and movies watching something together and then discussing it. One scenario, you build the strength of the family and the relationships. The other, when everybody's watching their own device and and um, uh, you know Instagram or whatever, the 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 one where everybody's on their own doing their own thing, it doesn't build relationship. It actually moves people further away from each other. It's interesting so can, because Dan and I have been working full time, and the kids are our kids are young. But, when the ages of 12 and 7, there's been different experiences of using story or using technology as a babysitter or as a time filler or, um, and, and there was a point at which I noticed that things were becoming non-relational. Yeah. And so we had to do a reset. So I would just say if anyone's been doing that, um, that's okay, let's just do a reset and I, I reset it with, I reset the terms. We reset the terms as a family and said, you know, all devices need to be on the communal table, plugged in and put away by nine o'clock at night. Um, making attempts to absorb content together was something that we really shifted and, and had to have a conversation about. And it's a battle, but it, it did change the relational field. And that felt really important for how we get through this, the quality yeah. of how we get through this. Yeah. And, and look, in my time doing this work, in 25 years and over a couple of hundred thousand people, I'm yet to meet the perfect parent and I am certainly not the perfect parent and I think it's a cycle once again of doing the best we can, resetting, doing better, making some mistakes, resetting, doing better. You know, and, and one of the beautiful things just on the story and technology thing is that they, uh, they, they do now make films which are very much whole family films. You know some of the um, the animations and things like that. They're not just yeah. children's films. No, no. Inside yeah, they out, really are. Inside Out, greatest yeah. film, greatest kids family film ever made. It's about the inner life. There it's so go. incredible. So, yeah. so okay. So I'm like picking up on the fact that you've mentioned a four stage part yeah. of transformation. Okay. And the second one is that in every rite of passage, there is a challenge or an ordeal. So every transformational process is associated with a challenge or an ordeal. Now, back in the day when they would take away boys to become young men and they would take away girls also to become young women, they would put them in a container and they would create challenges for them. Um, and, all, and they were physical challenges. Now, there is a whole discussion we could have around the differences between the challenges that they had for boys and for girls, because it is very, very interesting and we may come back around to that if people are interested in it. But the challenges were very often, you know, physic- there's a lot of physicality in the challenges. And the thing that I will talk about often is that we continue to go through transformational processes our whole lives and so there will always be a challenge at all of these different stages. However. Where the challenge, the challenge changes and what you need according to your stage in life. So whereas for the teenagers, the challenge may often have been it needed to be physical. At our age, so you and I, Barry, I'm 56. What are you, 35 now, something like that? I'm 35. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, so the challenges that we need are much less physical 
and much more so I speak for myself, the challenges for me, I don't need to go out and climb the biggest mountains I can or surf the biggest waves or be the strongest, toughest man. My challenges are now much more um, psychological, emotional, spiritual. And so I want to put it out there that people who are listening to this podcast, we will all be facing challenges at the moment. And, and often within those challenges will actually be our greatest opportunities. And, and something that I really want to put out to people is that in this time, rather than looking at what you were doing pre-separation and just trying to find ways to keep doing that or to maintain that, to also look at what is really coming up for you at the moment, you know, what's really in your face. And, you know, really in my, for me, what's really in my face at the moment is, one, I don't have an income, and two, family. Because all of a sudden I've got an influx of, you know, I've been living on my own, my kids are growing up, my partner lives in Sydney, all of a sudden I've got my partner and her, two of her children here, and I've got my sons moved up, and so a big challenge that's come up for me is that I about living once again in family and accepting that when you live in family, there are all sorts of ways of doing things. And there's this cycle, I mentioned it earlier, of you love, you love the, you know, you love someone, then you get really frustrated and angry with them, then you forgive them, then you love them again, then you get frustrated and angry, then you <laughs> forgive them. And that 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 cycle can happen, you know three, 10, 20 times in a day. And, um, you know, all, all of those different things about family and different people and whether they do the dishes or not or what they tidy up, you know, a million different things. And I know that that is my personal biggest challenge is around even addressing my own issues to do with family, which come back to how I grew up and come come back to when my um marriage separated when my boys were one and three years old and I had them on my own for a period of time and then they were gone for a period of time and all of those things are coming up and are really challenging I just want to run away from them I want everyone to go away I just want to be on my I just wanted to be out was but it doesn't work like that and so the challenge and the opportunity is to really face into those things so what is the purpose of the challenge in the rite of passage? What, what is the contextualization of how we can all hold the challenges in front of us right now? To what purpose? Well, I think that when we can really face them, submit to them, own them, be humbled by them and grow from them, that we actually take a step up the staircase of life. We evolve. When we can face our challenges and deal with them without being a victim to them, when we can actually grow from them, then we evolve and we become, we become a more, we become more something, more of, a, more of an adult, more of a, a man, a woman, a, a, you know, whatever it is. But I think, in fact, I, I, you know, we grow, we become more resilient, we become more um, wise, more capable, um, whatever it is, but not a question when we can really face our challenges, we grow. 
And, you know, the the sort of image that's coming to my mind, which you have mentioned before, is in the Maasai, they will, the men of the, the initiated men of the community would take the young boys out to kill a lion. You know, something yeah. that is a challenge that's actually, they take them into a life or death challenge. It's right on the edge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are feeling like, there are 5 billion people in lockdown on earth right now and they're feeling like they're on the edge, you know, that the challenge in front of them is immense. And I love the idea of all of us holding the thought that 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 part of the process is incredibly necessary to make us both creative, nimble and humbled. Yeah, the humble part is so important. And, in fact, the boys, they didn't get taken out by the older men they got sent out and they had to go and face death and and imagine how humbled you would be if you're a 13 14 year old boy with a wooden spear and a 300 kilogram lion is angry with you and you know will kill you if you don't how how humbling is that you would see death and a huge part of the rites of passage for boys in communities all over the world involve them actually being humbled and what i see i worked as an emergency medicine doctor for nearly 20 years and i saw a couple of things the first was i saw all these boys trying to create similar challenges themselves by driving their cars as fast as they could or jumping out of trees into lakes or 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 jumping their motorbikes over stuff you know they were creating their own challenges where they faced death because they weren't getting it delivered for them. So that was the first thing. But the next thing I saw in men in general is because they never got humbled at that young age, they ended up not being humble and instead being entitled and arrogant and feeling like and having a belief system that the world was there for them rather than them being there for the world. And that extended to women and their mothers because they never got separated properly from their mothers. Then when they switched their mother for their partner, that behaviour of thinking that their, their mother or their partner is there to serve them and they can just take what they want and speak to them how they want and treat them how they want, which is so wrong and so not okay, but has absolutely permeated our society and resulted in the major um, uh, now just coming to really the forefront with the Me Too movement and really exposing that the lack of initiation of boys into man, the lack of proper initiation has disastrous effects down the track. There's so much gold in here. I think we should let it let it soak in because we can talk again next week about the second the, the second sort of part of the transformation process, which is the creation of a vision for the future and the recognition and honouring of those going through the transformation. I think we will trust that we have the time. Uh, what The other thing that was coming to me when you were saying for me to extend the metaphor um, further is COVID is our lion. COVID yeah. has t- 
taken all of us to that edge of life or death, confrontation, the awareness of our mortality seems to have always been the necessary container and frame for human beings to live their one precious life with the most potency. Yes, definitely. And that's a beautiful metaphor, beautiful metaphor that, yes, COVID is our lion. And, you know, if we think about transformation, one of the things that has absolutely transformed for so many people is this realisation that we are mortal and that life we can't just take for granted that life is just going to be as it's always been forever, that everything's going to be okay, that we'll always be able to have what we want or be free or any of those things. You know, it's all been it's all being challenged at the moment and we still don't know where it's going to go. We don't know whether actually the real challenge is yet to come. The real challenge may be if there's a major recession, depression and, and social breakdown. We, course, we actually don't know. But, of course, the real challenge is that because of our hubris and lack of humility in the face of the truth of our impermanence, the fact that we die, that if, that, that that is our condition, because we've had no container, to no sort of meaningful container to think about our condition and how we are, we have destroyed the planetary kind of condition. And that's the real crisis. It's it's even beyond and opportunity and opportunity. It is absolutely the crisis. Well, what I love is that if we talk about this moment as a rite of passage, and these are the component parts, and we can really embrace these component parts to say COVID is our lion. It's not a war to be won. It's a it's it's a truth about our condition we have to face, and. We can do it with such incredible elegance and agility and creativity and and if we come out the other end humbled and then create or live into new ways of being together and on the planet that that are that are informed by a new humility, how remarkable would that be? Completely remarkable and, and- what what's so important to realize is that within this challenge that we're talking about it's not just about saying oh the world has not done things properly and and the leaders and this and that the challenge actually has to come back to each of us individually during this time to really go inside and challenge ourselves and go okay how am i going to become a better person how am i going to contribute and, and I'd like to speak to one question. I know we had a couple of questions that were posed yeah. and someone asked a question about, you know, is it more about the individual or community? You know, is that is that the thing that we're talking about that, you know, whereas a child thinks about themselves and an adult thinks about the community and, you know, wh- wh- which one is it? A- and I believe that actually the challenge and the opportunity is to realise that it's both which is that if we can really find our gifts and see how we can contribute the most, that's when we will actually be the happiest. And it's also when we will be able to offer the most to the community. So I don't believe it has to be an either or. I think it can absolutely be a both. And a big part of this challenge and this reset and refresh is for all of us 
during this time that we are in a quarantine or lockdown is to really spend time thinking, you know, who am I? What can I bring? How can I be my best self? And that speaks into the third element of this transformation, which is vision, which we can talk about next time in our next episode. But, you know, you can see how these things start to flow together. There's the story element and that moves into the challenge element. From the challenge element, we start to find the vision and then that will come into the um, the recognition and finally the reintegration. Beautiful. Anna, it's really so wonderful and rich and you're such a playful bugger you are. You can, it's, very, it's my favourite part about you. You're super. I love this stuff. Yeah, you're super deep and you're super naughty. Um, he's making signs at me. He's having fun. He looks fun on the on the screen. So I, I think um, we'll leave it there today. There's so much, so much more to talk about and explore. And for me, thinking about this moment in this way is so inspiring, and I'm so grateful that I know you and that we can share this conversation and um, this thought leadership in so many ways. I want to just say the audio quality of this podcast is probably like super shit. Um, And I was going to apologise, but I'm not going to apologise. It is what it is and we're getting it done. And Anna's up in the hills in the, you know, a remote wild part of the country. And I think I'll just say, uh, let it be. It is what it is and, and just so much gratitude and, and what a privilege to have this conversation. Great, Barry. Thank you for having me. Lots of love to you and to everyone listening and I really look forward to our next episode. Me too. Mm-hmm.